Making it in business isn't about spreadsheets, this or that. It's about guts, tenacity, and above all, street smarts. Join Sarah Shaw as she talks with successful entrepreneurs about all the hard-won lessons they've learned on the mean streets of the business world. If you've ever felt stuck, stifled, or even just scared to get out there and make your mark, you'll learn how even the most successful entrepreneurs overcame failure and found the power to move forward. So forget about learning about business in school, because all you need to make it big is a street smart MBA. And here's your host, Sarah Shaw. Hey there, it's Sarah Shaw here today with another episode of Get a Street Smart MBA. And I am here with Eric Martinez and Quentin Aaron, and they are dedicated to advocating for the fight against bullying. And their mission is to provide hope, encouragement, confidence, and resources to children on the brink of suicide or battling the damage effects on self-esteem and confidence caused by the actions or words of others. And together, they've created the I Got Your Back campaign, which is dedicated to eradicating bullying, or at least bringing it to the attention of kids, parents, and schools across America. Welcome, you guys. It's so great to talk to you. Hi. Hey, how are you? Oh, I'm so glad. This has just been such a... been something that's been so on my mind for the last couple of years as my kids are growing up and I just keep hearing more and more about bullying going on in schools. And since I live in a small town now and I don't live in Los Angeles anymore where it always felt to me like it was something bigger than I could even, you know, get, a, get my brain around, I've come to find that after doing some research and listening to lots of people talk about it, that this is something that happens everywhere every day in America and I know that both of you guys were victims of bullying as kids and that this has led you to this path of creating this anti-bullying movement. So I want to just ask you guys to talk a little bit about your background and your upbringing, which I know kind of you know, may, may, may or may not have played a part in this, and how being bullied as a kid drove you to want to start this anti-bullying campaign. So Eric, do you want to start and tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you got to this point where you are, you know, getting this movement going now? Yeah, I sure do. Um, Well, yeah, I, um, I I was bullied. I was bullied all through elementary. I was bullied uh, elementary, middle school, and high school. I was always the smallest kid in my class. And, you know, I'm still to this day, I'm not very big. I'm only five foot five. So you can imagine I was, you know, twice as small as that. You know, even in high school, I was like Um. And it's funny because, you know, I I was bullied up until about my sophomore year in high school is when things started kind of turning around for me only because I was so tired of just being afraid that, uh, you know, my stepdad at the time got me into boxing and kickboxing and I started I started boxing and, well, I was boxing even before then, but I, I really started taking it serious, you know, when I was a sophomore in high school and I wrestled and when I figured out that I could defend myself, I, be, I basically started targeting all the, the bullies that used to bully me. Well, what happened was, is, long story short, is I, uh, I became the person I hated the most. I went from being bullied to becoming a bully. And mm. it took several years for me to figure out and the, the help of some very good friends of mine at the time who were like, you know, look, Eric, if you don't cool out, you're going to find yourself by yourself. You know, um, you've become the person that you hate. And, and I really did, and I didn't realize it. I walked around with a chip on my shoulder. Um, but, you know, when I was little, I was, I mean, 
God, gosh, these guys would put stuff me in lockers, stuff me in trash cans, put me in gym bags and carry me around, put me in their backpacks. Literally, I, I could fit in a backpack, and they would put me on their shoulders around their back and carry me around the school. And everybody thought it was hilarious. And most of the time I went along with it because I figured, well, if you can't beat them, just join them. And, but what a lot of these kids didn't realize is that I was also being abused at home. So uh-huh. I, was, I was getting it from both ends. You know, I was going home and being abused severely, and then I was going to school and being abused, and abused physically and mentally on both fronts. And, uh, you know, I, I always said that if I ever get to a, to a place in my life where my voice means something and I can help other people through this, then I would. And, you know, lo and behold, I, I was blessed to get into the entertainment business, and as an actor, it you know, it gave me a platform. And... I decided uh, I decided that, you know, and, and at first when I started speaking, you know, I, I didn't really quite know what my direction was. I just, I wanted to talk about my life story and it always surrounded bullying and it always surrounded overcoming obstacles. And when I started my I Got Your Back campaign, it was because I would always say that after all my speeches. I would tell the kids, like, I, I got mm. your back. Like, and if you ever need anything, I got your back. You know, don't be afraid to reach out to me on social media. And it just stuck with me. And so then I started the I Got Your Back campaign, and Quentin and I met about eight years ago at the uh, – in uh, well, it was about seven years ago, about at the International Peachtree Film Festival in Atlanta. And uh, we became friends, and we found out that we both have the platform of bullying. We both enjoyed talking about it. We both have backgrounds in it. And, uh, you know, that's – as they say, that's – you know, that was where it kind of all formulated when Quentin and I started speaking together, and we became best friends, and – you know, now, since we've been together, Quinn and I have probably collectively spoken to almost 3 million students nationwide. Um, we speak at events all over the country, um, and we're now hoping to take it worldwide. That's so awesome. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's fortuitous, like kind of when you look back on your life, right? I mean, obviously, it wasn't um, pleasant growing up with all of that, right? Feeling like everybody, I mean, the whole world is against you, right? Whether it's you're at school or at home. And, right. but, but in a sense, like sometimes some of the things, I'm not saying it's good that it happened to you at all, but I'm saying sometimes the things that happen to us in our life end up coming, you know, doing a 190 on us, right? 180 and, um, and, and turning it into something that can benefit other people, right? I guess it goes back to the, you know, right. make, well, make lemonade you know, out of lemons, right? Yeah. Well, and, you know, the thing is, is I just decided, I, 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 when I finally realized, like, look, I have a choice. We, we all have a choice. And I just chose to not, to not be a victim anymore. I didn't want to be a right. victim. I didn't yeah. want to be a victim of my circumstances. I didn't want to be a victim of my life. I didn't want to be a victim of my background. You know, I see a lot of people to this day, they use that. They, use, they have that victim mentality, which... Here's the thing. It wasn't when – I, when I started changing the way I behaved and the way I acted and I wasn't walking around like a victim with my head down and my chin low and my shoulders down where I was scared to speak up, once that changed, everything changed for me. I, I, I was no longer afraid. And because I was no longer afraid, people didn't see me as a target. Unfortunately, and I, tell, I say this all the time, you're never going to end bullying. You can only hope to contain it. But if you, if you can start – convincing one person at a time to not allow themselves to be victims anymore, you know, it'll be a much better place, much better world to live in. And that's not to say go out, and I'm not saying by no means, I don't, I'm not an advocate of fighting fire with fire, but bullies are there. And, and, and listen, 
I tell people all the time, bullies aren't necessarily bad people. I became a bully and didn't even right, realize it. I, I did it to protect myself. I wasn't being a bully to, to, to just because it was fun. I, I was doing it to protect myself, and nobody mm-hmm. understood that. Right. So, yeah. Well, listening to you talk, I totally understand. I mean, it's, you know, mo- most people, you know, like you were saying, you became the person that you had always hated the most, right? And so many people hate in themselves what they hate in other people. Right. Uh, I mean, hate in other people what they hate in themselves, you know, and so it really, it's, you know, kudos to you for being able to recognize that and seeing that you had actually turned around and become the person that you detested the most and that who made your life the most difficult. Um, right. Because it's not everybody can see that, <laughs> um, you know, and, and people, you know, continue to, to treat people badly and, and do, you know, kind of have that retaliation mentality. So, right. yeah, right. I, congratulations on that. So, hey, Quentin, will you talk a little bit about your background and upbringing and how um, you being bullied in your life helped you get involved in the anti-bullying campaign? Well, um, yeah, no problem. Um, my background was not like the character Michael Ors. I know a lot of people ask that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I did grow up being bullied, mostly in elementary school. Um, I was, you know, much like Eric, I was teased, I was picked on, I was beat up, I was chased home from school, uh, I got thrown down the stairs, uh, you name it, they did it. <laughs> Wedgies, pants pulled down in front of girls. Uh, yeah, I was a glutton for punishment. I don't know why. But um, my biggest benefactor on my behalf when I was growing up was my mom. Um, mm. She literally had my back, um, for lack of better, you know, words. She, uh, when she found out what was going on, my mom was just like a bulldog. You know, she was up to that school and the teachers and principals' faces. Listen, my baby ain't coming here for this. Y'all better do what y'all yeah. can to protect these kids. And yeah, she was... My mom was bold. She was like Medea on steroids. And, uh, <laughs> I love your mama. Yeah. <laughs> she ain't take it. She's like, oh, no, not my baby. Uh-uh. Uh-huh. And she would, like, make random trips to the classrooms. I swear when she walked in the classroom, everybody gets straight like the principal just stepped in. <laughs> um, yeah, so she, she kind of came in and helped me a lot um, when I was a... Uh, when I was younger, but before then, I didn't want to tell her. You know, my mama crazy. I didn't, want, I didn't know what she going to do. Well, you can't right. be coming to school beating on other kids now. You know, so I, <laughs> I didn't want to say nothing. But, um, you know, luckily she didn't go that route. She didn't even have to. They were just afraid of her. And I and I understand <laughs> it. You know, when I was growing up, my mama, she had this look that yeah. if you was doing something bad and you saw that look, you just you knew things was about to get, you know, so yeah so when she found out I was getting bullied she started coming to the school and just being a real you know presence there at the school man teachers the principal everybody was like sucking up to her when she came because they they knew she ain't play Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what really changed it for me because when, once I found out that the kids, especially the kids that were bullying me, was afraid of my mom, <laughs> I was yeah. throwing my up. I'm like, oh, 
Yeah, you ain't gonna do nothing. I tell my mama. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now y'all know I'm not afraid to go tell my mama. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And and that's yeah. and because of that, I tell kids all the time. You know, you gotta you gotta speak up for yourself. You gotta speak up mm-hmm. for yourself. Today, it's so bad because I feel like the the number of suicides is because of kids' inability to speak up for themselves. Mm-hmm. And and when you, and you think about it, like when I was younger, when I was in school, my mom was working. You know, she wouldn't have known if she didn't, if she wasn't really paying attention, she wouldn't have known. And because I didn't say anything, but she could see on my face, like when I would come home and not be in the best mood or be trying to hide the pain from just having getting beat up before gotten in the door. You know, and and when she saw that, that's when, you know, what brought to her attention that something was wrong because I wouldn't tell her. Because, you know, and, and so many kids don't do that. They don't tell. And, and, and a lot of times when you become a bully, uh, a victim of bullying, you feel like there's either something wrong with you, that's why these kids are messing with you, or it's your fault, or, you know, you just – you know, you have so many imperfections that you feel like those are things you don't like and these kids hate it because they're picking on you because of it and you already don't like it. So you're you're ganging up on yourself along with the bullies and that's what tears your self-esteem down so there's nothing left and right. you feel like you don't belong and you just, you know, the only way you think you can end that pain is by doing the unthinkable and... Um, we can't have kids get to that point, you know, and, and the parents, um, I've, I've, because I have my own, I have my own anti-bullying foundation as well. And in the past, when we go to certain cities, what we try to do is put together a town hall meeting where, you know, a, a certain school or, or a venue or something will lend their space and we'll have the parents come out with their kids because a lot of times when you speak at these schools and you speak to the kids, the parents really need to be there too to hear what's going of on. Of course, sure. You know, and so the whole reason of putting together these town halls that we do is we'll have a panel where we'll have the, the district attorney, I mean, the, not the district, well, sometimes the district attorney is there, but the school superintendent of the district, um, you got the principal, the juvenile court judge, the the, uh, the 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 police for the kids, the the mm-hmm. ones that at the school and stuff, and we'll have like a panel of all of them and a, a child psychiatrist, and just like talk about issues of bullying. They'll they'll have like a bunch of resources for parents to get in, get their hands on if their child is dealing with something like that, and it brings to awareness all the many things that their parents need to look out for in their kids if their kids aren't telling them that, you know, what's going on. And we've had in the past just parents showing up just flabbergasted because they didn't know their kids were talk, uh, going through the things that they were going through until they got up to the microphone when during the Q&A part of the thing and literally poured their heart out and said what they were going through and asked for help. I've had what parents... Do you, what do you th- Sorry, I was going to ask a question about that. What do you think at these town hall meetings? Are these are these meetings that um, do you and Eric do these kinds of meetings together too, or is this just part of your foundation? 
Well, we, me and Rick haven't done one yet, but um, we are going to do stuff like that in the future. Um, my executive director has set up stuff like that before in the past. We haven't done one in about a year. But, um, yeah, we, um, this is definitely something me and Eric can set up even to do here in Atlantico and, and, or, you know, and travel and do it because the, and I say all the time, it's like it, one thing is talking to the kids. The kids is cool because they get fired up. They get inspired when they see you and they hear from you and cool. But then when you're gone, it's like what's going to keep that flame going? Right. So you, you need the parents to step in and do their part be a voice in their kids' lives, be, be, uh, um, be there, be present in the schools as well because there's only but so much teachers can do, you know what I mean? Right. And yeah, it's up to parents to step in and, to, and, and put their kids in check because some of these parents act like they, their kids are angels when they got the spawn of Satan walking around in class. Right. You know? <laughs> and, oh, you yeah. Know, and, Growing up, you know, I'm I'm the way I am today because my mom wasn't afraid to put foot to behind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> when, I, when I got out of line, you know. Yeah. She said, "Who's yeah. How big you get? I still beat you down the size." And right. She was, <laughs> you know, and um, uh, same over here. <laughs> I thank yeah, my lucky exactly. stars all the time that my parents were the way they were because I think it instilled really good values. It does. And it's not, and, and you know, and I, and I think that's a big misconception of today, too, is, like, um, I'm not promoting beating your kids. I'm saying you have to be, you have to discipline them. And, and at the end of the mm-hmm. day, a spanking is different from a beating. I'm not sure. saying blow up your fist and punch your kid in the face. <laughs> I'm saying right, take a bullet and put it to their backside. You know, especially when you start young, because when they, when you get older, that belt ain't going to do nothing. I know in high school, my mom didn't even, you know, it went to talking because it was like, you know, the belt was not even a factor anymore. It doesn't hurt. But when you right. get that belt when you're younger, that belt is the king, the king of hope. <laughs> you don't want to see it come out the closet. <laughs> exactly. Oh, God. <laughs> so, uh. But it's, um, yeah, yeah, it's um, it's uh, it's amazing how you know how how different pe- parents' upbringing styles you know drive different kinds of kid behavior you know, and so many people in in the you know psychiatrists and all kinds of people have so many different thoughts about it. People, you know, there's eight trillion parenting books and all that, but. I'm with you guys. I'm in the, you know, got got to teach your kids what's right from wrong because nobody else is going to do it for you. And, yeah. You know, and if they don't if they don't learn it from you and don't see it as something that's about you know that you find to be in the highly valued column, right? That then they're just going to go off and make things up for themselves because kids have huge imaginations and you know want to feel like they're successful as kids. And unfortunately, some of the kids. You know, bullying and, and putting other kids down makes them feel better about themselves because they've got a whole slew of problems at home that they're, that's not being addressed, right? Exactly. And it, and yeah. it, and it, it takes a village. It really does. Right. You know, um, as far as with me and Eric, our job is to come in and inspire these kids 
and encourage them to get through what they're going through. You know, mm-hmm. by telling them by telling them our stories and what we've been through and how we got through it. Because when you're you're facing something as this devastating, you feel like it's never gonna end, it'll never be over, this is gonna be your life for the rest of your life and you feel like it's your fault. Well that's not sure. the case. And yeah. if you're not telling your parents about it, your parents can't tell you that's not the case because you they don't know what you're going sure. through. You know, and that's where me and Eric come in, and that's why we do what we do, because it makes a world of difference just to hear those words. It makes a world of difference to have someone you look up to come in and say, you know, this this person is going through, I mean, went through what I'm going through, and, and, and sometimes, you know, they'll say, oh, man, my situation was never as bad as his, but look at where he's at today all right. because he stuck with it and, and fought through. And, you know, now he's a, a, a you know, a celebrity and he's, he's making movies and he's doing, he's followed his dream and he's gotten to that place in life he wanted to in spite of where he was at when he was younger, you know, because of, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure me and Eric from our upbringings, if you had asked us when we were a child, had we ever thought that we'd be where we're at today, the answer probably would have been no. You know what I mean? You know, but it, oh, but yeah. you gotta you have to dream. You have to be courageous enough to go after your dreams mm-hmm. and 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 put all else aside. You know, I tell kids all the time: you're in school for you. You're in school to get an education to be what you want to be when you grow up, not the person next to you. You're not working for their benefit. You're working for your benefit. You know. It's all cool if you want to make friends in school, but that's not the most important thing. The most important thing exactly. is working on your future because your friends can't do your job for you. You have to do right. your job, right. you know? And I do. I do. <laughs> totally know. I got two small ones at home. Um, hey, Eric, I want to ask you sort of like how when you're on the road and you're going to schools and talking, um, you know, I know you talked about, you know, helping people and showing them the difference of not being a victim, right, and that that's what really helped you move forward when you made that decision in your life about not being a victim anymore. So when you guys are talking about how the kids should follow their dreams, how do you help them kind of get that self-confidence to get up in front of the room and talk about it or raise their hand? Like what, what do you guys say to them or how do you interact with them to get them to open up like that? Well, most of all, it's m- most of all these kids want to do that anyway. It's not that they have to be, you know. Th- these are kids that want to speak. They just don't know how, and they don't know if they sure. should. My my job is to encourage them to to speak on it, just like I did. You know, I I don't. Here's the thing: kids nowadays they see through all the fluff. They see through all the smoke and mirrors. You know, they they can tell whether you're being real with them or not. So when I speak, I, I speak directly from the heart. I tell them exactly what I went through. I don't hold nothing back. I'm very candid about my past. I'm very candid about what I used to go through. And I also let them know that the fact that I'm standing right here before them speaking on my experiences and speaking on, you know, the things that I was the most afraid of is, is proof that if you really want to do it, you can. You, you're allowed to speak up. You're allowed to have a voice. It's okay to say no. It's okay to tell somebody. It's okay to communicate. And those are the things that I try to get across to 
you know, the kids every time I speak to them is that, you know, don't, don't be afraid to stand up for yourself. Don't be afraid to speak on it. So it's not a matter of having and, – and I'll find 90% of the time, even the hardest you – know, and at every school I've ever spoken at, I always get the teachers or the principal or the counselors that come up to me before I speak and say, we have some kids in here that are troubled. Uh, they're very quiet. They're very reserved. They don't talk to anybody, so don't be offended if, if they don't engage. And every single time that happens, it's those kids that come up to me first when I'm done speaking. Mm. And, they, and they raise their hands when I'm doing the Q&A. Uh, because when I speak, I, I, I tell my story. I speak on motivation. I speak on facing your fears. And I, I speak on bullying. And then I do a Q&A. And those kids always are the first ones to raise their hands. They're always the ones that want to – they really want to talk. They just, they've never, they've never been given the opportunity to because everything in society has taught them to be afraid. So when they see somebody else that, someone that they may look up to or someone in the entertainment industry that they may see as someone that's on a different level until they meet you face to face and they see that you're a real person too with the same real issues. And that's why for me, it's so important to be real with these kids. You know, it's, you know, I don't, I don't talk, not that I don't encourage their education and I don't encourage them following you know, the rule of education, but I want to talk to them more about life skills and overcoming adversity and overcoming obstacles and overcoming hard times because in this day and age, that's what, these kids are facing that more now than ever, even more than when mm -hmm. I was growing up or, you know, when we were growing up. I mean, now right. these kids are severe, severe cyberbullying. Social media has made it very, very easy to attack people uh, without provocation and without any type of um, uh, accountability. So right. these, these kids are having to deal with those kinds of issues day in and day out. And when they see someone who is on our level who has to deal with that as well and they want to know how we deal with it, that's where it, it brings these kids out of their shells and that's why they feel a lot more comfortable. And hopefully, you know, my goal is, is to create that comfort level amongst all these kids and, and teach them some life skills that they can take and carry on through the rest of their life because that's really what it's about, not just about the here and now. I mean, you don't my, – my take on it is don't fight fire with fire, you know, because two wrongs don't make a right. And we can – if we continue to – you know, not that I, I – listen, I have a 12-year-old. I have a 12-year-old and I have a 6-year-old and I have a 21-year-old. Um, my 21-year-old is in the Marines. My 12-year-old is a four-time state boxing champ. He's a state wrestling champ, and he's a national wrestling champ. My 6-year-old is a wrestler, and he'll start boxing next year. I teach my kids the value of hard work. I teach them the value mm -hmm. of believing in themselves and building confidence. And a lot of these times, I'll be honest, these kids that are bullies, they're only bullies because they, there's something going on with them that is, has taken their confidence. Mm -hmm. There's something going on with them that's taken their, their pride, their dignity, their confidence. They don't feel very good about themselves. Or, or maybe right. it's something they're going through at home. It was just like with me. I was so tired of being afraid of, it, of what I was going through at home and being picked on at school that when I became a bully, when I realized I could fight and I started boxing. Now, again, my kids don't have to go through that. We don't do, you know, I don't teach my kids that way. We live by a different rule. But – when I was growing up, I didn't have anybody teaching me that. I was being abused at home and at school. So when I turned around and started learning how to fight and I knew I could defend myself, I used it to – I took advantage of that. And thank God I had the ability to turn that around and I had good people around me to help me. But, you know, at the end of the day, what I try to teach the kids today when I speak to them is don't be afraid to 
hold your head high. Don't be afraid to uh, – oh, there's so much machoism now in the world. Like people are so – they're so afraid of being afraid that they it, 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 it's counteractive to their whole being. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. So most people don't ever want to show their feelings. Most people don't want to ask for help. These kids are they're afraid of being looked at as weak if they ask somebody for help or if they tell somebody that they're being picked on or that they're afraid. So my what do you guys do? do? Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, what do you guys do about? Um, kids who are afraid to speak up like if you are at at a place talk you know at a school or someplace talking and you can tell you know by looking at kids faces right probably some of them that are you know either being abused at home or are being bullied at school but that they don't uh, they're, they're too afraid to speak up is, is there anything you guys can do or do you have to just let it go i personally i don't Here's the thing. Again, it, it, it all comes – it's like you can lead – it's like they say you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. I, mm-hmm. I was one of those kids that when people tried to force me to talk, I wouldn't talk. When people tried to, to tell me that it was okay, my, in my mind, I would be thinking to myself, you don't know. How can you tell me it's okay because you're not going through what I'm going through? So right. when I talk to these kids, I tell them the stories of what I used to go through, and nine times out of ten – Every single kid in that room that is either being bullied or has been a bully or has gone through some type of challenge in their life has dealt with the same thing, with their family, with their parents, with other friends. So it's all relatable. And when they see how I respond to it, when I tell them what helped me, my encouragement to them is to use a little bit of what I've said to help themselves. And Mm -hmm. nine times out of ten, I can't tell you how many messages I get. I still get messages from speaking engagements I had two, three years ago from kids telling me, you know, I used what you said. I did what you said, and it worked. You know, I started believing in myself. I started being more active in my community. I started doing things that were more positive, and it changed everything around for me. I became friends with the people who were bullying me. <laughs> like, right. Keep your enemies close, right? Right. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it must be amazing when you go to these events and you talk to people and you can share this your stories, both of you, and listen to these kids open up, and, and especially the parents, too, because I'm sure you probably find, right, what, what you were saying is a lot of it starts at home with how they're being treated by their parents or whoever's taking care of them or, or the right. lack of any parental guidance or anything like that um, can go both ways, right? Over, exactly. Over-parenting or under-parenting, um, yeah. and, and to be able to to share this with the parents as well, right, and try to make an impact on them, you know, sort of like everything rolls downhill, right? So if you can start at the top with the parents, um, then, you know, they may be able to influence their kid in a different way over time, right? Because can't, you can't fix somebody with a one-night event, right? I mean, it's, it's you're inspiring people and, and helping them get on the path to fixing their life, right? But then... At that point, then there has to be a point, I assume, where the kid has to take over and want their life to change, right? Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. Um, so, Quentin, I want to ask you a little bit more about that. So, so when you guys notice, you know, when you guys are done talking at either events together or separately, I mean, and you see these kids, you know, who, you know, they come in maybe looking downtrodden a little bit or you can see something in their face that you know you kind of can pick them out in the crowd right Mm -hmm. and 
and then you can see the difference in their face, right? After sometimes in some of them, I'm sure after you've been talking, and they probably oh, yeah. start to have this, you know, kind of excited, like, "Wow, there's a light at the end of the tunnel." Look, and life, yeah. and there is life on the other side of my nightmare, right? Exactly. And how how do you follow up with these kids? I mean, do you have a way? for kids to email you or join a group or is there, do you have like a chat thing or is there, there a way for... Nowadays with social media, I can't, I, I'm constantly on my social media and I, I write and um, do messages back and forth a lot of times with, uh, with kids at places that I speak to. Like for instance, um, me and Eric spoke a couple of days ago at the Boys and Girls Club here in Central New Mexico. And some of the kids from there have been contacting me on social media, on uh, Instagram, direct message, and just, you know, just chatting and talking about certain stuff and everything. And that's mainly how I do it. I mean, there's, I I do have a website and uh, people can send, you know, letters and stuff to the address of our foundation or, or to the emails and everything as well. But um, the most direct way for me is uh, through social media. And, um, you know, I, I tell people all the time, I said, um, I, I'm not famous enough to have someone else do my social media for me. I, have, I do my own. Because like, you know, if I write you, are you going to get it or is your assistant going to get it? I said, well, I ain't paying no assistant. I wish y'all. Right, yeah, exactly. I know a lot of really famous people who still do their own social media too. <laughs> So yeah, that's know. what it's supposed to be, right? Yourself connecting with people and yeah, exactly. Um, and, and the kids you know. like it, you know. They right, of course. I'm, I can tell you how many times I've spoken in front of audiences where, when I first get there, sometimes it's just like, oh, yay, it's another actor who's here for uh, I don't know why, you know. And then towards you know throughout the time of me being up on stage and talking to them and them seeing like hold on he's not reciting something that he wrote he's actually just speaking from the heart and he's mm-hmm. talking with us and he's you know he's cracking some jokes and he's you know making us laugh and he's talking about his flaws and what he you know how he made his situation funny when it really wasn't you know and how yeah. he took the negative and made it into positives like this guy really did go through some stuff, you know, maybe I can lighten up. And I, I, you start to see the tides change while you're talking because at the, for the most part, these kids are guarded in the sense to where they don't want to hear from someone they feel doesn't care about them and is just there to, because they're, you know, being paid to or they're just there because, you know, they're trying to look good for media or something. They right. they want to know that the people that they're talking to genuinely care about them and genuinely have an interest in their well in their well being and then they're more receptive to listening to what you have to say. Well and, and if I can well, and if I can interject real quick, it it, it goes yeah. Quentin's right. It also goes into saying that, you know, these kids they they do. They want to know that you care. They want to know that you're there for more than just you know, a certain purpose, but they also, they, they relate, they want to know that you can actually relate to them. Do you know what I mean? Right. It's like, it's like someone, it's like someone who's never been in the hood or someone who's never grown up around drugs or alcohol trying to tell you how to behave in that environment. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and you can see right through it. I remember being in, I remember being in high school 
hearing speakers come to my, you know, they would come to my school and, you know, they would, these are, you know, I, I could tell the, the, these people were speaking to my school never have never grown up, you know, without a meal. They've never grown up, right. with, you know, with hardship or anything. And they're, they're trying to talk to me about how to overcome obstacles. I'm like, you know, how, what are you talking about? You know, the biggest obstacle right. you ever had to overcome was picking out which Jordans you were going to get to wear each day of the week. Exactly. You know, you know I, I didn't have that luxury. So, yeah. again, it's, it's about relation, right? These kids want to know that you relate to them and you, you understand what they're going through. And that's why, that's why I think, you know, we're so successful at what we're doing is because we genuinely do care and we genuinely have been through those issues and we, we deal with those issues. Even to this day, these kids, a lot of these kids are surprised to know that we still get bullied. Quentin and I still get people who talk bad about us on social media or, you know, there's people, you know, because you're not going to please everybody. It's not no. because of who we are. We're, we're free from ridicule. And these kids really, they enjoy, you know, to be honest with you, they actually, they, they enjoy knowing that they're not the only ones going through it. We still go through it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly, because when you when you think about it, these kids feel the way they feel, and they get so down on themselves because they feel like they're the only one going through it. They don't want to talk about it because they feel like nobody understands what they're going through because it's just happening to them. Right. You know, their their world right. is so small in their heads, and they have to be told, like, listen, it's not just happening to you. It happens to everyone. See, the unfortunate thing about this is that Will bullying ever really fully, truly end one day? I don't think so. It's much like a lot of the other habitual uh, negative occurrences that happens in this world. I, I just think that we have to stand up and fight. Right. You know, you know, you have to, it's, it's a part of life. You know, you have to approach it like it's a part of life. It's been happening since the beginning of time. It's going right. to keep on moving because people are who they are. They have the choices to make the decisions that they want to make because of free will, you know? Mm-hmm. When you factor that in, you can't never really stop bullying. Like Eric said earlier, the, the best thing you can do is to encourage the victims to not be victims anymore. Right, and, and stand up for themselves. Yeah, and, 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 and at the same time, encouraging the, the parents to be that help you know, encouraging the, the teachers to, to be more receptive to what's going on in the classrooms and even in the hallways, you know, because when you're changing classes, stuff happens in the hallways, but the teachers are in the classrooms, right. you know. And it's, it's just opening your eyes and being more aware and stop seeing stuff like, oh, boys will be boys or girls are going to be girls, you know. It's it's deeper than that, and society is telling us that. It's it's. It's going past that. We just got to open our eyes. You know, sometimes we let a lot of stuff go by the wayside that shouldn't because, you know, stuff has escalated today to way more drastic than it was back in the day because of social media. Now the mm-hmm. whole I was just gonna, bullying. Yeah, I was just going to ask about that. I mean, do you – I think there can be – there's obviously some good things about social media, but yeah. it seems like especially with, you know – kids, and I'm going to say, you know, people under 25, (laughs) I consider to be a kid, Um, you know, anybody who's still in school, right, and still learning how to be a grown-up, right, and, Mm -hmm. you know, we we, we won't talk about the grown-ups that use social media for bad stuff, but just in general, like, you know, you see and hear about 
you know, on the news or even like in movies or TV shows, you know, like a lot of TV, you know, ripped stuff from the headlines and stuff, you know, about people. I, I don't mean like older people trolling for, you know, sex with young kids, but I mean just kid, kid on kid attacks, right, where they're posting mm-hmm. pictures of kids doing, you know, stupid things, you know, stand, taking pictures of themselves with their shirt off or whatever they're doing, um, you know, just for fun and people get a hold of those pictures. But how, how do we, I mean, how do you hold parents accountable for that stuff? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, because I'm, of course, approaching the age with my kids, right? And Eric, you have a 12-year-old, right? How do you, how do you monitor, like, do you think parents need to be monitoring what kids do on social media you know, and or do you think that like sometimes I think everybody under eighteen shouldn't be allowed to have you know to have a Facebook account or something, um, right? You know, just because of all these these things that can go back and forth. I mean, is this well, something you guys talk about in your meetings? Well, yeah, and you know the thing is with with you know, and I know you'll be able to relate to me when I say this. There's no handbook on raising a child. There's no. Oh no, I wish. All, yeah, and, and you know you get people who it's funny because. I find myself, in many cases, I used to find myself getting advice from people about how to raise my children who never had children, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. It, it falls it's, into that everyone wants to be an expert, yeah. right, even if they've never done it, you know? Right. And it's like, well, it's easy. I mean, you can say that because, it's, you know, you're not their parent. So, you know, you're not a parent yourself, so it's easy to make that assumption. But with they're your kids, you know, there's a whole different level of responsibility that comes along, and you just got to do your best in how you raise your child. For me... You know, with my kids, um, you know, with my 12-year-old, he's uh, – I keep him so active that he's not really – I mean, he has social media. He has he has uh, Instagram and, you know, he has a Facebook and, you know, he, but he doesn't he, – he's not really on it like that. Like, he does. He talks to his friends and, you know, I check his – I check up on his accounts. And here's the thing, too. I tell him, like, son, you know, me being who I am, I have half a million people that follow me on social media. I'm going to know if you're making – if you're messing up, I'm going to know. Right. But all I can do – all I can do is do the best that I can in raising him as with, with a, a young man with good morals and respect and understanding. And he understands the whole bullying realm. You know, he understands the whole, you know, being a bully. You know, he doesn't – even with his boxing and wrestling, I've always told him, if I ever find out that you're using it to hurt somebody, that'll be the end of that. Like, you will not right. be involved in any of those sports again. And so for him, that's enough to keep him on the right track with those aspects. You know, he's never been in trouble for hurting anybody. Even, you know, he, he's just not on that level. Now, he's, now, listen, this past year we had to deal with a few issues where he was being bullied, and it wasn't until mm-hmm. somebody actually put their hands on him that he had to retaliate. And for that, I'm not... I've told him I'm never going to get upset for you at you for defending yourself. Sure, but, right. But you know, don't, I, don't, I don't promote it. Yeah, you're not out there provoking it or promoting it, and you don't, you know, don't be a don't be a a, a a keyboard gangster either. And that's what I call these guys that are on cyber. You know, they cyber bully. They're keyboard gangsters. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like. I teach them all the time. I teach them all the time about being respectful and having having manners even when I'm not around. So that's all we can do as parents, right, is just hope that we instill the best morals and respect boundaries that we can in our kids and that they use that on a daily basis. You know, and I'm, and I'm finding out daily, I find out daily that, you know, <laughs> sometimes 
no matter how much you try to prepare them for something, they're going to end up doing something that they want to do anyway, right? So you just sure, have to hope that course. what you've taught them, the life lessons that you've taught them, you know, spill over to, to their behavior. So mm-hmm. that's what I have to say about that. Yeah. I, God, I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I want to ask you one more question, um, Quentin. So when you travel and speak to kids around the country, you guys, how do you make these connections? Is this something that people just, you know, you guys are well-known enough, you know, as individuals, as, you know, actors and celebrities, and your company now, the, is, the whole campaign is well-known, well-known enough, or do you guys – still actually actively go out and promote speaking at different events. How do you work that? Well, we reach out um, at places, and then uh, other people reach out to us. Like, a lot, a lot of times I get hit up through my foundation of, of schools or people reaching out to my foundation and, and contacting my executive director to see about getting me to come out. Um, and then I'll have other people who, places I've visited in the past, that see what me and Eric are doing, and they'll um, hit us up to see what would it take to get us out there, you know. And um, right now it's pretty slow because school is out. So, you know, nobody is, aside from Boys and Girls Club and YMCA or or other stuff like that, there's nothing really, you know, going on in that sense. But um, pretty much during the school year when we're not – acting on sets, we're traveling and speaking at schools and stuff. And one of the things I want to do definitely in the fall coming up with me and Eric with engagements that we'll have is try and set up an event like what we talked about, like the town hall event as well, because it's just as important to have the parents present when you talk to the kids as there, as it is for us to go into the school and speak to the kids. Right. When you guys go into the schools, the parents aren't there. No, no. Well, no. depending on the schools, like sometimes if, it's, if we're going to speak at an elementary school, you know, sometimes you'll get some of the parents will come there so that they can take pictures with their kids, you know, and us and, and stuff like that. Um, or some of the, a lot of the elementary schools, the parents – uh, help out with the PTA and, and stuff around the school. So you'll see them around the school being helpers in any way. And then they're there at the assembly with their kids and stuff. So, But middle school and high school, no, we go and speak. Because we, we go and we speak during school hours, you know. So it'll be like an assembly that's set up during the school mm-hmm. day and everything. So the parents won't be there. They'll be at work or, you know, wherever they're at. You know, right. so that's why it's, like, almost important to do an evening event, too. And we want to try to keep those centered to where, focused where it's, it's like, more crucial in the areas where the violence in the schools and the bullying in the schools is heavy because yeah. that's when it'll make a bigger impact. Like, I've, it's crazy. I've, I've spoken at schools in almost every state in this country so far. And uh, some of the smaller states that you wouldn't really expect it is, has some of the most vicious kids. <laughs> mm. 
And it's, do you and think that has it, to do it, with the socioeconomic status of the school and the kids, or do you find that that the you know that the backgrounds of the kids isn't doesn't play as big a, a point in the whole thing as we as you know some an outsider like me right who would imagine oh you know is bullying more rampant in the rich kids or the poor kids or you know the kids that are all latchkey kids or do you see any kind of patterns at all or is it just kind of random well I don't you know I don't really know if you can say it's random I mean it's going to happen everywhere you know kids they're doing it but it's all it's, it's all a part of the environments they grew up in as well and it's it's what they're used to and their surroundings and there's different kinds of bullying there's you know, some of the schools we go to where the bullying is real bad, it's mainly name-calling and and cliques that are just, you know, pick on kids and make them feel like they're nothing and, you know, writing them on social media telling them they should kill themselves and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And, and it, it's sad to hear it, but that's, like, some of the most brutal kind because, like, Nowadays, with cops in schools and everything, you don't really get the physical bullying as much, except for in some of those heavily populated areas where there's gangs as well. But Mm -hmm. for the most part, there's not really that much physical bullying going on, you know, to the extent where kids are seriously getting hurt and having to get and take out of school because of their, you know, being put in arm or whatever. whatever. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So it's... It's it's more psychological nowadays, and 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 with cyberbullying, it's you know the whole world can see what this kid may hate about himself or she may hate about herself, and you know it's put out there for everyone to see on social media, and that messes with your you know mentality and messes with your mm-hmm. your your hard and you're, it makes you not want to live. And that's right, the, the the vicious part about it because, like, in some of these smaller towns where all these kids know is what they've grown up around and, you know, that's it. It's just like, to them, the world is only as big as their town. They don't know if they're ever going to get out of there. And when all the kids in that town hate them, they feel like their lives are over. Right. You know, it's like I'm in a school where nobody likes me, this is the only school in town. My parents aren't moving. You know, it's I'm stuck here. I'm stuck in this situation, and everyone hates me. Kids are telling me to kill myself, so maybe right. I should do it. You know what I mean? And oh. it, it, it just is it's heartbreaking. And and you know, it's it's like social media today is like a it's a blessing and a curse. Yeah, it's a blessing because it gives you a voice to speak up and 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 be an encouragement to others, but it's a curse because it also gives you on that same platform the ability to humiliate anyone. Right. You know, to the point right. where... Right, seconds. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that is it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. You know, it's... I don't even really know... You know, I think we can just basically just keep doing our parts. You know, and... I, totally respect you guys for doing this. And I think that I just wish that every single school in the whole country, you know, could, could know about this and, and be aware, aware of it and 
be proactive enough to have you guys come and talk, you know, at every at every school and every, you know, town hall and and really be able to spread the word about this. And I just commend you both for your efforts to, you know, make this really a national uh, to make to bring this to national awareness, you know, and and really keep going and from the heart. And that's what I really loved about you know, hearing about you guys and what made me really want to talk to you is that I knew that you both, having been victims as, as kids yourself and then being able to make that choice, you know, whether you were helped by a parent or not to, you know, to take that, to make that choice to not be a victim anymore and then to start creating this anti-bullying movement, I think is really, uh, it's moving and it really, I think, hits home for people who are aware of it or who've experienced it, you know, or who just are the kind, you know, the kind of people who want to make sure that our next generation grows up to be an awesome group of people and not a terrible group of people, you know, and that people know how to treat people nicely and respect people and can have that kind of relationship that, you know, that we were, you know, brought up with, or at least, you know, Quentin, you and I were, sounds like we were brought up by moms who should have been sisters. And, um, and, you know, and, and that Eric, you know, you've really taught yourself in the long run how, how to be the kind of person that you want to be, and now you're getting to instill that into the future of your children, which right. I think is, is really amazing, and not everybody gets that opportunity. Right. So, well, and I think, it, listen, I think it all, it, it's all about leading by example. You can't, yeah. you can't tell somebody... I don't care if it's a student. Here's my thing. I, I talk a lot about my faith in God. I talk a lot about, you know, I'm very, I'm not ashamed of my faith in the Lord. I'm not ashamed of my prayer life. I'm not ashamed of, you know, how I lean on God. And when I talk to these kids about it, more often than not, and the same thing happens, you know, because the schools, you know, tell us all the time, you know, don't talk about finances and don't talk about your religion. But I talk, right. about, I talk about my finances, but I talk about my religion because I'm not ashamed of it. And you know what? I believe that it, it should be a, a major part of anybody's life. And nine times out of ten, these kids appreciate it. I can't tell you how many kids have asked me to pray with them after I speak or how many kids hit me up on social media and say, look, you know, can you say a prayer? I'm dealing with this situation. And, you know, the thing is, but I live by that example too. Are we perfect? Are we perfect human beings? Absolutely not. Do we all fall short daily? Absolutely. But if we try to live our lives by those examples, it's like, here's my thing. We can't. You know, either, and I try to do it because I train, I train my kids, you know, I, I try to live a lifestyle that's conducive to being an example for the people around me. So how can I expect my kids to eat healthy if every day they see me with Dr. Peppers and Cokes and chips right. and I'm stuffing my face with whatever, but yet I'm telling them to, you know, eat apple slices and carrots and cucumbers, you know, and right. or <laughs> how can I tell my kids to train or train the kids that I train when I, all I do every day is sit around and don't do anything. Do you know what I mean? Like you have to, you know, I can't tell kids to pray if I'm not praying. I can't tell kids to have faith if I don't have faith. I can't tell kids to have courage if I don't have courage. So everything I do is my example. Everything that I do. And Quentin, Quentin is around me. People, the people that are around me know this for sure. I live my life with purpose. Do I not, Quentin? Exactly. With everything that I do, I live my life with purpose. And application, application is the biggest word in my, in my vocabulary. 
application is everything. You can talk all you want. You can say all you want. You can, you know, you can shoot to the stars if you want. But if you have no application to take the steps to get you there, then it's all worth right. it. It's all for nothing. Yeah, exactly. Put your, put your money where your mouth is, right? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, I, was yeah just, I was just having this conversation last night with my girlfriend. We were laughing because I told her I, don't, I watch TV with a purpose. All these shows that I've recorded, all my shows that I record and I watch, people think I watch them for recreation or I, I keep them on when I'm working for recreation. I watch them all for a purpose. You know, some of my favorite shows are Tanked. Uh, I watch Tanked because I, I look for the documentary-style filming. I watch the camera angles. Modern Family and Two and a Half Men, even though they're both great, funny shows, I watch those shows for blocking. People don't know that, but I watch those shows to learn how to block shots, to, you know, lighting, lighting sequences, camera angles, because as a director, actor, producer, I need to know my craft. I, yes. I, I, I watch 24-7 to learn how to shoot documentary-style reels, which is, I just did a documentary this past year on two-time Olympian Jaron Solomon. From the, uh, he's an Olympic sprinter. So everything I do is with a purpose. And it sounds crazy. Yeah. That's the thing I try to teach these kids. Live your life purpose-driven. Yes. Because here's the thing. If your life is purpose-driven, you don't have to worry. You're not spending your time worrying about what other people are saying about you on social media or how other people right. act, are acting towards you. You're no longer a victim because you're so engulfed in what you have to do to achieve your goals, you don't have time to worry about all that other nonsense. Exactly. You just it's don't. So, it's so true. No, it's so true. I mean, if you focus on your goals and, and you are full-on into that, then there is really nothing else that can kind of seep in the sides and distract you. And, and you know what? And, and you know, I, I apologize. I apologize. What, what, was, what was your name again? Sarah. Sarah, Sarah, okay. Uh, what, what, let, me, let me say this, Sarah. It, day in and day out, when I say being purposeful, that's a day in and day out job. For anybody who oh, yeah. wants to be successful, for anybody who wants relevance in their life, who wants to have, you know, who wants to leave their kids something that they never had, you have to have a purpose-driven life day in and day out. It's not a day, it's not a nine-to-five thing, it's a 24-7 thing. It's not a seven-day-a-week thing until Thanksgiving comes up, it's seven days a week, 24-7, 365, 365. days. 365, yeah. <laughs> 365. So, yep. you know, it's not, you know, I see so many people who complain and complain and complain about where their life is, yet they're not doing anything to change those circumstances. They will not do, right. you know, most people don't want to, they don't want to, they want to sleep more than they want to dream. They right. want, they, most people, you know, they don't, they can't even fathom working a 16-hour workday because that, breaks into their sleep time or their social media time or their Facebook time that, you know, you have to be purpose driven day in and day out. I don't care what you're doing. And that's what I try so to see. You're, you're a real entrepreneur though. <laughs> not, not that many people. I mean, I think that's why there's people who have jobs, you know, nine to five jobs because they're, that's not the kind of person they are. And, right. and that, and that I'm an entrepreneur and I'm, I'm like you and, and I, you know, I always say to people, you don't become an entrepreneur to have long lunches and, you know, get your nails done at 4 o'clock every afternoon. It's you're going to work harder than you've ever worked as long as you live, ever, you know. And this is like, you know, you think working 8 to 16 hours a day or something is hard. Well, you're going to be working like 22 hours a day and sleeping two hours a night. You know, the funny thing is, is people always say, oh, man, you and Quentin must, you know, you and Quentin must live the life. It must be great to do what you do. But they don't realize. <laughs> 
how hard we work day in and day out. Right. Day in and day out. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, hell, both Quentin and I are guilty of falling asleep in the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> because well, also, because, I think I think people don't want to. I feel yeah, in the shower. Yeah, don't fall asleep in the shower. Um, I worked in the movie business. I did cost. I was a costume supervisor for twelve years before I became an entrepreneur, and so I know what it's like. I mean, I think that because you guys were, are, have been trained and kind of grew up in the film business, and I did too, you know, from the time I was 22, I worked in the movie business. It was my very first job. And you, I think that it teaches you, all, I think the film business, or for me at least, I should say, I shouldn't speak for everyone, taught me a discipline, that almost like the military does, that, you know, that you, you have to be there when you're told to be there. You have to be ready to do whatever you were told to be done that day, right? If you're an actor, you better know your lines. And if you're, you know, craft service, you better have the food. And if you're a costumer, you better have the costumes, right? Because nobody's waiting for you. And right. it's, it's that, it's, it develops, I think, that sense of urgency in people. You know, like for me, it really helped me. De- I think I'm a better entrepreneur because I learned that no is not an option from the time I was mm-hmm. 22, right, in business, right, not, not my childhood, but as an adult, and if 22 is an adult, I'm not sure yet, but, um, you know, and so you're learning th- this business, right, with, with this expectation that's higher, I think, than pretty much any, any other profession out there besides being a surgeon, <laughs> you know, that it has to be precise, right, and you can't screw it up, right, you've got to be there, be on time, give it the best you have, or, you know, the hundred people that are standing there have been there and been paid for nothing, right? The whole crew may as well stay in bed all day. So right. I think that, that it's, you know, so that kind of um, background, I think, like the three of us share that, um, that ability to be able to look at things and say, I'm going to put, uh, you know, 300% into this because that's what's expected to me at my day job, right? When you're, when you're shooting a movie or directing a movie, you know, or mm-hmm. in, and Quentin's working on a film, right? You guys are there and you kind of belong to the, right? You belong to the movie studio, right? They own you and they tell you what to do, what to wear, what to say, when to be there, right? And, it's, and you have to give it that, that, it's got this like huge respect, right? That you have to honor, right? As, as a job, and I think that it's kind of hard to, to disassociate from that once you look at your own life, right? You start to look at your own it, – le- it leaks into how you live your own life, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Exactly. And, and, that, and that people who have, you know, J-O-B-S, right, and are just job people and just work nine to five and go home don't necessarily have that same drive, you know, and I don't know – if I don't know that everybody's able to live their life the way that way, you know, and I think that it separates people in in not generationally because there's lots of kids that live their life that way. But I mean, it you know, you might not be able to be friends with somebody who doesn't live their life that way just because it doesn't jive with how you live yours, right? And vice versa, they might not want to be your friend because you're you make them feel inferior, not on purpose, but just because you're such a go getter. And everything you do is with purpose, and that there are so many people out there who just can't can't see that. Well, well you know, your work ethic, 
and and you being the person you want to be will attract the people that you need to have around you and not the people you don't need to have around you. So, like, yeah. the harder you work means you're only going to attract other hardworking people, other successful yeah. people, because at the end of the day, you don't want to be the successful person that hangs around with a bunch of people who aren't successful who's waiting for you to do something so that they can live off of you and right, they don't care really about you, you know. I mean, yeah. it's very easy to fall into that, you know, that situation, too. Um, one of the things my mom used to always tell me growing up was to make sure you keep people around you that are headed in the same direction in the, as you in life and, and that are just as smart, if not smarter, than you because right. that way you'll never fall back. You'll never backtrack. You don't want to play tug right. of war with your friends, you know. Exactly. And, and so that's yeah. what that's what it's all about, you know. It's, it's, I know. If you if, if if I want to be an actor and you want to be a drug dealer, we can't be friends. exactly well you guys thank you so much for sharing your time and your spirit and your story with me I so appreciate it and you guys can find out more at uh, IamEricMartinez.com and QuentinAaron.org and I'll have these uh, posted on the blog on the uh, podcast post for you as well and you guys thank you so much and I really hope to run into you again and hope to have you come speak at the, one of the schools where I live in Colorado. So thank you again so much yeah. for everything that you're doing. I'll for I really sure appreciate it. Could you also post well, me, our, our Instagram handles on there? Oh yeah, I got it all. I'm gonna post everything. Yep. And where, all your links. and where can we where can we um where can we see this so we can we can help share it as well? Oh, I, I will send everything to, um, to Marlon, but you can find it all at sarahshawconsulting.com okay. forward slash podcast. And awesome. I'll let you guys know um, as soon as it posts. It'll be up in a few weeks. And I look forward to spreading the word and helping you guys uh, make this a, a bigger, even a bigger campaign than it already is. Awesome. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks so much. I'll talk to you guys thank soon. You. Okay. Right, thank you. Thanks for tuning in to A Street Smart MBA with Sarah Shaw. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes to get the latest episodes anytime, anywhere. And we'll see you on the next one.